Well, we've been going through the, the Lord's Prayer, and, and this has been really an encouragement to me personally because this is, this is so central to the, the disposition, the, the perspective that God wants us to have toward Him. You know, as we think about what is my relationship with God, what should it look like? What, what, is, what is my conversation with God? How should it look? You know, there are a lot of things that we could look to to give direction, but, but what better direction than, than Jesus himself? And today we're going to be talking about one of the most important doctrines, I think, that, that the church has. Now, it's, I, don't, I don't think that if you were to open up a, you know, a systematic theology... I don't know that many of us would open up a systematic theology, but if, if you were to, I don't know that, that you'd see necessarily among the doctrines of God this doctrine. But it's an important doctrine that is, that is intrinsically tied to really one of the foundations of our faith, this idea of justification by faith. And so today we'll see that, that how we relate to God himself in, in his forgiveness toward us has deep abiding impact in how we relate to one another. That the one ought to affect and color and shape the other. So if you will stand with me, we are going to pray the Lord's Prayer today. We're going to pray it together. So we're going to start with our Father. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is the word of the Lord to us. Let's pray. Father, we do come to you asking that your name would be hallowed above all things, that it would be set apart in this moment. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would do in our hearts what our words do. As we say that we set your name and your nature and your character apart in our hearts, as we, as we say that we value them, Lord, I pray that you would give us hearts to value your word, your name. And God, I pray that as we, as we gaze upon the gospel, as we think about what you have accomplished in redemption, that our hearts would rise to extend the same kind of grace and mercy and forgiveness to others, regardless of the, the, the desirability or the worth or the, the sense that it is deserved. God, we thank you that you forgave us long before we deserved it, that there was no amount of working that would allow us to deserve the forgiveness that you've extended to us. That even now, there's no amount of us responding in thankfulness that, that somehow earns or repays your forgiveness. God, I pray that you would give us a grand vision of your forgiveness, a grand vision of the forgiveness that's available to us to extend to others and the freedom that we, we have, the, the ability that we have available to us to walk in freedom and not in bondage to unforgiveness. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move in power in each of our hearts, that you would, you would burn away the unforgiveness, the bitterness that, that has harbored, been harbored in our hearts. And I pray that you would move in power. And by the end of this sermon, I pray that we would be more free and more able to love freely. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated.
So forgiveness is, it's a word that I think most of us are familiar with, but I wonder if we really have a clear biblical idea of what it means. We certainly have an idea of what the world thinks of, of forgiveness, but, but do we really understand what it means? I think, um, I think we oftentimes fail to forgive others for two reasons, two fundamental reasons. One is that we don't understand what it means. And so we think forgiveness is this over here when it's really this over here, and we say, not doing that. I think that's the first reason. The second reason is equally simple, but, but not easy. We just don't want to. We don't want to. And I think that that is because we have not looked at and appreciated the forgiveness that's been extended to us. So let's, I, I want to consider nine misconceptions of forgiveness. Nine misconceptions of forgiveness, and we'll talk about what it is. Forgiveness is not saying that what someone has done to you isn't wrong. I'll repeat that. Forgiveness is not saying that what someone has done to you isn't wrong. Right? When you forgive, you're not saying, you know what, what you did that was wrong is now right. When someone offends you or hurts you, it's not saying, you know what, you didn't hurt me. That, That was okay. Forgiveness is not that. We're not calling good that which is bad. And if we think about the gospel, when God, when God forgives us, he doesn't just say, you know what, don't worry about it. Debt forgiven. No, Jesus what? He dies on the cross for our sins. Amen. On the cross we see how bad our bad is. Forgiveness is not saying what someone did to you isn't wrong. Secondly, forgiveness is not saying that someone has permission to mistreat you. Forgiveness is not saying, you know what, I'm just going to lay on the ground, I'm a carpet, just walk all over me. You know, there's a sense in which God calls us to a sacrificial life. He calls us to embrace suffering. He calls us to a lot of things, but he doesn't necessarily say that you have to sign up for and pursue being mistreated. Now, in the process, God will use mistreatment, he will use suffering, he will use persecution, but you don't see the disciples going and saying, hey, would you please, would you please persecute me? No, they embrace the gospel and they move forward with the gospel, sometimes fully knowing the, the ramifications, but, but they don't pursue persecution for its own sake. Forgiveness is not saying someone has permission to mistreat you. Permit, uh, forgiveness is not a promise of renewed, renewed trust. Spouses, you're called to forgive, but that doesn't, mean, or, that doesn't mean that the other person has to now trust you if you've broken trust, or trust you to the degree that they did trust you before. You know, if, if one of my kids breaks a rule and they do something they shouldn't have done, they stay out longer than they should have, they, they take something they shouldn't have taken, I can still forgive them. That does not necessarily mean that I'm going to give them the keys to the car, that does not necessarily mean that I'm going to say, okay, you know what, you were out at 11, the curfew is the same. My kids don't have an 11 o'clock curfew as a side note. My eldest is 12. We're not there yet. But some of you are. We may forgive freely, but trust is earned. And for those of you who, especially in the context of marriage, who need forgiveness, it's not, that does not mean you can demand to be treated with the same level of trust that you have broken. Forgiveness is not waiving your legal rights or the circumvention of criminal prosecution. And I wish I didn't have to say that. 
But that we forgive others does not mean that we cannot or should not pursue the protection and safety of the law. You can forgive someone who has criminally offended you and still entrust them to the legal processes that are available to us. You know, in Romans, Paul tells us that that God establishes all authorities. And as bad as our nation is, as as poorly as as our judicial system may may move, we we have these things to restrain evil. It's not either or. It's not, well, you forgive or you do this. No, we have both things that God uses to bring about righteousness. Now, now to flip it a bit, forgiveness is not a feeling. You know, I, I want to forgive, but I just, I'm almost there. I'm almost there to forgive. You know, when, when, when Jesus is on the cross, I don't think he feels great. <laughs> I don't think his feelings are, are, you know, oh, I just, I'm overflowing with joy about these people who are killing me. No, but there is a clear decision on his part. Father, forgive them. It's a decision. By the grace of God, the feelings often follow. Forgiveness is not a sign of stupidity. Contrary to what some of your friends might say, don't forgive that guy. Don't forgive her. You'd be stupid to forgive them. No. You'd be obedient to the to the will of God, to forgive them. You'd be stupid not to forgive them. Again, but we're not talking about trust. And a lot of times when people talk about not doing that, they're, they're talking about not trusting. Forgiveness is not a sign of weakness. This is not a sign that, uh, again, you, you're not on the floor and allowing someone to walk over you. You're, you're consciously deciding that your offense toward me is not going to control and dictate how I will live. Forgiveness is not an impossibility. And I fear that, that, that many of us are in the position where we feel like it is. I can't. I, can't. I just can't. And I, and I just want to tell you, family, that that is a lie. And it's a lie that's meant to rob you. Unforgiveness is this bodyguard that claims, I'm going to keep you safe. When in reality, it just keeps people out and it robs you of love. Forgiveness is not an impossibility. And finally, forgiveness is not an option. It's not an option. Some of you have been really offended, really hurt in ways that, that it would be inappropriate to even speak of from the front. I don't deny that. I, I want to recognize that and say, I'm so sorry. And yet, God calls us to such a high standard. And it's not a standard that he's unwilling to, to maintain himself. When Jesus is on the cross, he is the most offended person in all of history. One who has done absolutely nothing wrong and is treated like a terrible criminal. Forgiveness is not an option. So we've laid out some, some things that forgiveness is not. Let's, let's look at the scriptures and see what forgiveness is. 
Well, before we look at the scriptures, I'm going to quote someone, <laughs> a Bible teacher. Nancy DeMoss Wagamuth, she's got a, um, a radio show. She's, she's awesome. She's written a number of books. Um, she writes this, or she says this. I, I, I heard this. I assume that it's written, but I heard this from her. Forgiveness is giving up your right to be a debt collector. I'm going to say that again. Forgiveness, it's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's not giving someone trust again. It's saying, I'm giving up my right to be a debt collector. I'm giving up my right to say, you owe me something. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus Really, he gives us a picture of this, and he tells this story to his disciples. And Peter, of course it's Peter. Peter comes up to him and says, Lord, how often will, a brother, uh, will, will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Like he's thinking, I'm a pretty big deal. I forgive seven times. Like he's got, he gives out his friends like a little uh, offense card. You know, let, me, let me see how many times you've done it. Oh, three, you got, you got four more. You know, let me, let me punch it for you. And he thinks he's like legit. Jesus says to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. And the number is really, it's kind of superfluous. The point is a lot more than you think, Peter. He goes and he says, therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. That is a lot of money. Um, a talent was about 20 years worth of wages, so 10,000 times 20 years, that's a long time, longer than a lifetime, longer than several lifetimes. So this guy owed him several lifetimes worth. I mean, I don't know, kind of shame on, on, the, on the guy for letting him, but I mean, this was not like a, oh man, I, let me get my second job and I'll, I'll eat rice and beans and, and I'll pay you back in no, this was going to affect him. It was going to affect any children that he's had, and it was going to affect his children's children. This was something that was going to shape the dynasty and the destiny of this individual. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience on me, and I'll pay you, I'll pay you everything. No, you won't. You're a liar. That's not in there. Then no, you won't. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him his debt. How many of you, well, I won't say that, but we get excited over like a bonus or, or you know, our tax refund. But, but owing generations worth of debt being forgiven in a moment. You can imagine that this guy... He had a different walk outside. Verse 28, but when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, which is about a day's, or sorry, a hundred days wages. It was, it was a significant debt, but it was one that could be repaid. And he seized him and began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. I, it's a ridiculous circumstance. Can you imagine this? He leaves, and then he sees a guy, you owe me, and he starts to choke him. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience on me and I will pay you. Does that sound familiar? He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. 
When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then the master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I, forgive, I forgave you all your debt because you pleaded with me, and should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him from the jailers, to the jailer until he should pay all his debt. So, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. We struggle to forgive because we don't recognize our, our, our scale is off. <laughs> We've, we weigh very heavily the offenses that other make, others make against us and very lightly our own offenses. Oh, it's just, it's just a white lie, God. You know, I, I don't really lie. It was interesting. I was watching this, uh, I think it was, I can't remember, Ray Comfort, I think, but he, he's a, an, an apologist and he was interviewing a guy and kind of leading him down this road and like, hey, are you a good person or a bad person? Well, I'm a good person. Okay, well, have you ever lied? No, you've never lied? Okay, wait, I have lied. I've lied a lot, actually. Have you ever stolen? Yes, I've stolen. And he goes down to the Ten Commandments. And at the end of it, both the guy in the, in the video and you are looking and you're like, oh, he's kind of a bad dude. But then you, you, if, you, if you're honest, you're like, oh, no, I'm kind of a bad dude. <laughs> Gosh, we're really willing to just kind of sweep it under the rug when it comes to our own sin. To just say, you know, don't, let's not talk about that. Jesus, you can come into all the rooms, just not this room over here. That's the garage. You don't want, there's nothing in there but boxes and boxes of my sin. This man in, in the parable, he, he didn't rightly value or appreciate the level of his own sin. And at this point, I just want to pause and ask you, how much do you owe God? I mean, just take a, take a survey of your last week. How many times have you done something, you know, mm, that, wasn't, that wasn't good? How many times have you, you lied? How many times have you gotten angry at someone? You know, Jesus says in another place that if someone hates his brother, it's the equivalent of, of murder. He's murdered in his own heart. How does, how does what you've done compare to what others owe you? Our forgiveness of others begins with God's forgiveness of us. And as we, as we thought about the Lord's Supper, as we considered what, what Jesus had done, as we listened to Isaiah prophesy and, and share about all, all that, that Jesus would experience Right, being crushed, being bruised, being broken, all of these things, we see that God forgives us in a way that is very costly, it's unconditional, and it's complete. It's costly. His forgiveness is it's not, it's not light, it's not easy. He doesn't say, you know what, it doesn't cost me that much. Here, have $10 of forgiveness. No, it cost him his son. It cost him blood. When was the last time you cut yourself? You know, you, you, you're cutting, I was... Uh, I was deboning some chicken the other day and I poked myself with a fillet knife. I was like, ah, I didn't cut myself, but it freaked me out with just being poked with the fillet. And, and Jesus was, was horribly maimed and then murdered. It cost him a lot. 
God's forgiveness was, was unconditional. It's not based on, you know, okay, Eddie, you know, you, you, you're pretty, you're a knucklehead, you've done a lot of things wrong, but you did do that thing that was good, and, and you, you do tithe, and, and you stop cussing, and, you know, you're, you're not as mean as you used to be, so I'm going to forgive you. No, it's unconditional. The Bible says that before the foundations of the world, before God created everything, he already had a plan of redemption. That means he had a plan to forgive you before you even sinned. It's not conditioned upon you. And it's complete. He doesn't do this thing, well, I forgive you, but... You know, it's not like he, he writes your sins down in pencil and he kind of erases it, but he's like, I can still read that. And if you mess up again, I'm going to write it back. You know? We laugh because that's how we treat people, right? Like, yeah, I forgive you. Not really. I forgive you until, right? There's always the until, dot, dot, dot. And then it's like, double, right? <laughs> now I'm angry for you this and for this. It's complete. God calls us to a forgiveness that is costly, it's unconditional, and it's complete. In 1 Corinthians 13, G, uh, uh, Paul is talking about love. Like, what does love look like? And he says this, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. This always gets me. It's not irritable or resentful. Yikes. How irritable have I been today? The, the phrase there, resentful, uh, other translations says, does not keep account of wrongs. You know, when, we, when we're working with our, our little people, our children, and like one offends the other, we try to tell them, you know, say you're sorry, I'm sorry, say I forgive you, I forgive you. And then we say, okay, sometimes, we don't always say this, but we say, okay, now you're gonna treat them with a clean slate, right? This is not, this is not that bad whiteboard where there's still some ghosting. And you're like, oh, he punched me the other day. I'm angry at him today. No, when we forgive, we forgive and it's gone. We don't keep a record of wrongs. Love keeps no record of wrongs. In John 13.35, I've, I've quoted this so many times, and hopefully you're memorizing it at this point. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples, what? If you love one another. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rephrase that into the practicalities of life. They will know you follow Jesus by how willing you are to forgive one another despite one another. We can all go outside after service, get some donuts. Oh, it's good to see you. I love you. But in our hearts, are we saying, I really don't like the way you looked at me or the fact that you said that thing or the fact that you didn't, you know, your spouse, whatever, or your friend, whatever, or you, you go to work and love is loving and loving is being forgiving. In Colossians Chapter 1, verses 12 through 14, it says this, that we are to give thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. Right? So God's given us an inheritance with all the other saints. He's taken us from this domain of darkness to now being ruled by his awesome, loving, patient, kind Son. And he says this, in whom we have redemption. What is that? The forgiveness of our sins. We forgive because that's God's nature and God forgave us. And then we can look at finally in, in chapter 23 of Luke. Jesus is on the cross. 
And again, just, just take for a moment, you know, the last time you stubbed your toe, dropped a hammer on your foot, or you know, got kicked in the knee, I don't know. The last time something horribly painful happened to you, just think about that and how you, <laughs> your life just, it, it became that painful moment. And, and imagine Jesus on the cross, his, his arms are, are splayed out, his hands, like his flesh is being held by his arms and by his legs. He's trying to keep himself up so that he doesn't suffocate. His back is just gone. The skin ripped off. I mean, he's got spit on his face. He's got, he's got, his forehead is ripped up. He's got, it stings because he's sweating. And again, he's got nails, nails in his body, probably parts of his body broken from those nails. He's bleeding, he's exhausted, he's alone. Utterly alone, all his disciples, well, John is there with his mom. But no one one is suffering in the way that he's suffering with him. There's no commiseration happening at this point. And, in, in, and beyond that, you got these jerks in the back who are making fun of him. You should get yourself down. Like, how bad, what kind of a person do you have to be to, to be roasting someone who's getting crucified? That's next level. And what does he say? Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Right? His, his focus, his focus was on these people. The people who were spitting and jeering and mocking. And these guys back here. We don't forgive because we don't see Jesus. I'll repeat it. We don't forgive because we don't see Jesus. We don't forgive as a way of earning God's salvation, but it is a proper response to what he has done. It is a proper response to what he has done in the middle of your pain, in the middle of your, your sense of, uh, of betrayal, in the middle of your sense of, of offense. All of it probably justified, much of it justified. In the middle of that, God says, look at me on the cross and see how I handle offense. See how I handle betrayal. When we started, I said that there are two likely reasons why we struggle to forgive, one of which is that we don't understand what it means. Well, if you think it's a feeling, then you're going to have a tough time mustering the feeling. It's not a feeling. If you're afraid that it means that you have to trust everyone, then you're going to, to some degree, rightly so, keep people at arm's length because they're not the same. The second reason is that we're simply unwilling to forgive because we haven't considered how God has forgiven us. Have you weighed the debts that other owe, others owe to you against the debt that you owe God? I'll say it one more time. Have you weighed the debts that others owe against the debt that you owe to God? Because family, I, I want to encourage you that Jesus doesn't call us to, to this kind of forgiveness to, because he's sadistic. He doesn't invite us to this kind of vulnerability because he's mean. He does so because he wants us to be free. 
Some of you are not free. Some of you are not free. Your life is oriented not around the freedom that you have in Christ, but around this pain that you have embraced, thinking that the unforgiveness that you have, the the holding of this thing is going to keep other people from hurting you. When the reality is you are, you're, you're turning in on yourself and you're not walking in the freedom that God has for you. I'm belaboring this point because God wants you to walk in freedom. And not, not just because that's something that he needs, but he wants you to experience the joy of not being bound up by bitterness. I acknowledge you have been hurt. Some of you have been hurt deeply. Completely outside of your own will or or. Not deserving it, not, not, you know, having it happen to you because of something you did. It's completely separate from, from anything you did. It was not your fault. Absolutely, I hear you, and, and the Holy Spirit grieves over that. The Holy Spirit grieves over sin. Jesus, when he looks at Jerusalem and sees the sin in that, in that city, he grieves over it. God, he sheds his tears over the pain that you've experienced But he doesn't stop there. He brings redemption. And you you can't step into redemption. I'm going to say this carefully. You you are going to miss out on aspects of redemption if you are unwilling to receive the forgiveness that God has for you and then extend that forgiveness to others. And, and you guys know this. You, you, you've interacted with people who walk with a limp. You know, they, they believe in Jesus Christ, but there's, there's just a limp about them. There's something that's off. It's something that's broken, something, something that, that, that clearly is also defining who they are. And today, Scripture, Jesus, the Bible, would call you to forgive Okay, Pastor, I don't, I don't even know where to start. Uh, you know, I've talked to people about forgiveness, and a lot of times that's what I hear. I, I, I can't feel it, and I don't know where to start. Well, bad news is you might not feel it. <laughs> you might not have this cathartic rom-com moment where you, you hurt me in these ways and blah, 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 and, but I forgive you. Oh, thank you. I'm sorry. I was horrible. You're the best person in the world. Let's go hold hands and collect daisies. Do, 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 do. It may not happen. In all likelihood, many of us, the forgiveness that we need to extend is a forgiveness that we extend in a heart. It's not a conversation. Oh, I forgave you. That becomes some sort of passive-aggressive, like, you hurt me, but I forgave you. Like, don't do that. Please don't do that. That's the opposite of what he's saying. It's not saying don't call people to account by not calling them to account, sort of. I'm not collecting that debt that you owe me. (laughs) You owe me. No, he's he's calling us to forgive and and you start by saying, God, I forgive this. I lay down, as it relates to this person in this situation, I lay down my right to be a debt collector. And then you take the board and you erase it. Like, really? 
like with a magic eraser or like a bazooka, whatever it takes. You erase it. And then Thursday, when you remember and get angry again, you do the same thing. God, I forgive them. And you take the new board that you just created out of the dust of your, your own bitterness. I've been there. I have dust of bitterness too. Um, and you, you destroy it with a bazooka again. And you walk out your faithfulness. Because what does he say? When you pray, give us this day our daily bread. This is happening every day. I don't know how many times I have had to say, will you please forgive me? And I've had to extend forgiveness. It's a lot. It's a lot. Because we are people and we are sinners. But that's how you start. And, and, and if you're still wondering, well, what do I do? I, I'm sure that like 95% of you have a picture in mind of a person and a list, a tabulated list, a weighted list. And I would just, I would encourage you to respond in prayer. You don't, have to, you don't have to think of every single thing, just, just the thing that the Holy Spirit says, what about this? You say, God, I forgive him for that. And then he'll say, well, what about that? And then you just keep processing before the Lord. You know, this is the benefit of having the Holy Spirit, is that he will bring these to mi- things, things to mind. He will, he will help you. And at the end of the day, you will look like Christ. You will look like Christ. This is so important, family, because he he says, forgive us this day as we have forgiven. He connects the way that God relates to us with the way that we forgive. Now, I don't think that this means that our forgiveness is meritorious, right? If you forgive, then God will forgive you uh, in a sort of justification by faith way. This doesn't mean that Jesus is saying, you know what, there is something that you need to do to earn my salvation. No, he's saying that those who have received my salvation will show that and exhibit it in forgiveness. And if you aren't showing and giving that forgiveness, there's some aspect of the gospel that you haven't properly appropriated, that you haven't worked into your soul. And I say worked in because it's going to feel like that. I'm going to work this in. This is not something that I just bring. Oh, I'm a forgiving person. No, it's going to be a moment of like, I don't want to do this. There's no bring about this because it's hard. Because pain is real. But he's calling you to forgive. I'm going to, I'm going to pray and I'm just going to give us 30 seconds, and it may feel like an eternity, but I'm going to give us 30 seconds, and I would encourage you to do business with God, to forgive, to begin this process. So I'm going to, I'm going to pray, bow your heads, close your eyes. God, we invite you, Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. Lord, to convict us of the sin of unforgiveness. But God, we thank you that your word says that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. That, that when you convict us of sin, you don't do so to make us feel shame, but you do so to, to bring about change. So God, right now I pray that you would bring to mind individuals that we need to forgive. Not just debts, but debtors. People that we need to forgive. And at the same time, God, I, would, I pray that you would give us a vision of the cross. A vision of Jesus Christ, the costly, unconditional forgiveness that he extends to us. 
as, as Reggie's playing, I want you to do business with God. Family, I've, I've been praying this week for this, this sermon because I feel like this is a moment for some of you to experience the kind of, free, of, of real freedom that you have never experienced. Some of you, you've, you've been pushing up against a wall spiritually. You know, I don't, I don't get it. I, I can't connect with God. I can't relate to him. It's, when people worship, I don't get into it. And it's not because you don't read your Bible enough. It's not because you don't pray enough. It's because you don't forgive enough. And God's beckoning you to receive his forgiveness in such a way that it flows out of you. Just start with what you've got. Father, I forgive so-and-so for this thing. Would you reveal to me other areas where I have held on to offenses? Father, would you comfort me in my pain as I forgive? Father God, we thank you that you you forgave. That you have transferred us in Christ to the kingdom of your beloved son, the realm of of the forgiveness of our sins. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, my my hope is that you've been given a picture of what what it took for him to bring forgiveness to you and, and that you hear that it's freely offered to you, that all you need to do is to trust in him, to turn away from your own sin, to, to ask for that forgiveness and receive it. And he'll give you new life and you'll be able to walk in that forgiveness. If that's you, just raise your hand. I want you to pray with me. If you're online, you can let one of our hosts know. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ, but you want to trust him today. All right, if you're online, you can pray this. God, I turn away from everything I know to be sin. I recognize that I am a debtor, that I've offended, and I, I cry out to you and ask for forgiveness, for mercy. God, I thank you that you have made a way, you've made provision for my sin through your son, Jesus Christ, and I receive by faith, his righteousness, and I submit myself to you. Help me to live a life worthy of the salvation that you've given me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Love you, family.